Amen. We got that little bit of ice in there. We thought we had died. Amen. But we woke up, and a few days later, we were like, we haven't died. We didn't go somewhere we're not supposed to be. We just got cold. I don't know about you, but like, today, that 65, 70-degree day came into there. Just a smile on my face. It's a blessing. Be the name of the Lord. There's a reason why God put us in Texas. You know, Texas is God's country. Amen? Let me tell you a little bit about Texas. Let me tell you something about them. God loves Texas. God bless Texas. In fact, I'm going to be honest with you. Can you see emojis out there now? Long time ago, God set his seal of approval on the great state of Texas. You know, Texas is not just a state. At one time, we were our own independent country. We were the Republic of Texas. And there are some that say we could do it again. There are some that say we should do it again. But I'm going back into the 1950s. 
think we should get a logo of God with a baseball bat. You know, but we're United Baptist Church of Texas, our local church. So they'll be having their association annual on the 19th of February, the 19th. We'll have a meal at 445. That will be about 3 o'clock. And the afternoon, we'll be carpooling or convoying, whichever one you want to do up there. Um, we'll have a meal at 445. We'll have uh, a little bit of a business session about 530 or so.
one more announcement that you brought to my attention. One more announcement. That announcement is, I've been told that I must repent for the blasphemy of the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> I know there's some Kansas City Chiefs out there. I know there's some Philadelphia Eagle fans out there. But you know, let me, let me just be honest with you about pastors. Um, you say, Pastor, you watch, I don't watch a lot of football anymore. I, now, high school football, Vince and I don't usually miss a home Friday night football game. We love them dearly. Uh, but uh, I quit watching the NFL when uh, they had the anti-American movement, and I just could not get back into it. Uh, but my favorite team was the Houston Oilers, and I always will be Houston Oilers fan, and the best quarterback in the NFL was Warren Moon. God bless you. So thank you all for that. Thank you, Brother Stevie, and that. Brother Robert, leave us in worship.
only one. But there's a lot, I mean a lot, we can learn when we start doing things that belong to God. For instance, what comes to mind when you think of the Lord's house? Something like this comes to mind? I know most of us think of that. Beautiful, fancy church. We have a wonderful photographer in our church. But she takes great pictures of rural Texas and one of the most beautiful pictures she's ever taken of me is this old white church. In fact, it reminds me of the last church I used to pastor called Northside. That looks nothing like Northside. And Northside was beautiful in its own way. It was beautiful because it was old. It was beautiful because it was rustic. It was beautiful because it had that shiplap kind of wood on it. It was beautiful because it had old wood flooring in it. Let me tell you, the acoustics in there were amazing. I don't think anybody needed a microphone in that church. Not just because it was a small sanctuary, but because the echo was wonderful in that church. And you know what? I remember candlelight services in that church fondly when the lights would go out and the candles would light up that hardwood floor room and that wooden wall side. It was so beautiful when you walk and the candles would just light up the room and that glow. And this faith looked like it was filled with the Holy Spirit. Bad news is we had the ugliest shoes in the world ever known. Either way, uh, it, it was beautiful first in its own way. So what comes to mind when you think of God's house? In fact, I almost put a picture of Cross Avenue up there. It's God's house, isn't it? It's God's house. But I want you to know that God's house is everywhere. Anywhere we let God be king. So I, I don't want to get into that theologically this morning, but ultimately the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Uh, but when we think of God's house, we usually think of church, don't we? And of course, when we think of the house of the Lord, we think of the furnishings that are inside that church that belong to God. In front of me, we have the Lord's Supper table. And up until uh, a few years ago, we used to pull that table out and we would fill those communion trays with little glass cups and plastic cups because we got to where we were recycling, not washing. Uh, and we would fill them with grape juice, and we would fill another one with our unleavened bread or our wafer. And we did the Lord's Supper there, and sometimes I miss that a lot. Um, sometimes I miss that a lot. And notice at the front of the table it says, Let's do in remembrance of me, the Lord's Supper table. Also, when you think of the furnishings in God's house, you think of shoes or chairs. Uh, when I got saved here, well, then we had shoes. The controversy. I was at the Bible school, but someone called me and said, We're going to get chairs, and there were people arguing and fighting over that. I thought, Better you than me. First church I ever pastored, I kid you not, uh, they decided to change a toilet in the ladies' restroom. And several of the older charter members said it's an empty toilet, and therefore we cannot change it, and there was a church split over that. Talk about flushing it down the toilet. Uh, but we think of the furnishings as belonging to God, too. We should, but they do. Everything in this house belongs to God. Now, you might have some personal effects uh, back to the refrigerator when you come to the classroom, you might have left a sweater or your Bible in the shoes or the chairs on that. Okay, those are yours. That's perfect. This house belongs to God. Everything in it. We think of the 
partake also of the happiness of God. We think that they should be honoring God. We don't say that. What happens in the house of God should be about God. It should be honoring God. 100%. It should be. So, when you think about those things, those are the things that pop in mind. As Christians, So what comes to mind when you hear the Lord speak? Something like this come to mind? That's what comes to my mind. I think that's beautiful. There's nothing better to me than God's people with raised, holy hands. Amen? People ask me all the time, we don't raise hands in Baptist churches, do we? And I was like, yeah, you're going to raise hands. We raise hands. What does that signify? Well, in every given culture, raise hands means I surrender. And when we worship the Lord, what we're saying is I surrender all. All to Jesus. I think it's beautiful. When we think of God's people, raise hands. We think of them as lifting up the sun, honoring the sun. And the Bible tells us that we will lift up the sun we will get back to honoring Jesus. And we take the focus off of Jesus, what will happen? Well, of course, when we think of God's people, we think of faith. We think of hope. We think of love. You ever been to a church you didn't love? Some of you won't like this right now. Don't raise your hand. You ever been to a church that was hopeless? And all they kept saying is, when we're going to close our doors, I'm like, you're not supposed to close our doors. You're out there and you can look at it. You're going to make a church of faith. You say, well, you go to a church of faith and you can see. You say, well, I'm not supposed to be in a church of faith. Don't say, well, God sent you to a church of faith, but it's up to you to bring the faith. When you go to a church of hope, it's up to you to show them hope. When you go to a church of not loving, you show them love. Let's begin our message this morning by speaking of God's people. Let's think of them in a house at his table. In fact, just a week ago we had dinner on the grounds, and I loved every minute of that. There were people eating, there were people laughing, there were people drinking. I talked about unseen, unseen that. Day. And they were loving love each other. We have faith in each other. We honor each other. We've got hope in each other. Because we know that if you have made Jesus your Lord for real, then you can have faith in you. If Jesus is your Lord, then you're going to do everything in your power to show Jesus as number one. People are made up of every race, made up of culture. Please take note this morning. They are not made up of every religion. But when you become one of God's people, you have one religion. Yes, yes. Now, 
make Christianity and Islam. You cannot make Christianity and humanism. You cannot make Christianity and mystery. You cannot make Christianity and Nordic religion. Notice that I did not say that Christianity or that God's people are made up of every philosophy. Philosophy. Because as Christians, we have one philosophy. What is our philosophy? Are you ready for this? God is king. There's no damn bucks about it. God's in charge. If God's in charge, then he's God. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Really, honestly, what are we supposed to be doing as God's people? We don't be here. The Bible tells us, though, about God's people. It tells us quite a bit about God's people. It gives us characteristics. So I want to look at those this morning. Revelation chapter 1. I want to ask you to go to the Lord and pray. Revelation chapter 1, verse 46. Let's go to the Lord and pray. Let's go to the Lord and pray. Lord God, we love your word. Your word is quick and powerful and effective in your spirit. And it's my prayer right now, Father God, in the presence of our hearts. So that we want to come to know you, come to the Lord and Savior. We want to get the heart right with you in a relationship that we can address this morning. Bless us. about you, but that makes me feel marvelous this morning. God loves me. 
You know, once somebody said, Pastor, you're the happiest guy I ever met. And I was like, God loves me. Why shouldn't I be happy? He loves me, and He sent His only begotten Son for me. That's why I can get up in the morning and smile. That's why I can get up and say, this life is worth living, because He gave it to me. He redeemed it. He washed me in the blood. He made me His. He gave me a life when my life was over. He gave me a purpose, reason, and a holy family. God Christian, you are not a child of God. You're a child of the devil. You are not a Christian, you're lost, and you're not going to Somebody asked me the other day about Jesus being Lord, and I know I'm getting off the whole box for a minute, and I've prayed God for these wonderful opportunities to live. I'm going to put something out there. Jesus is Lord and Savior. He is Lord and Christ. He is Lord and Messiah. If you were to jump back in the Romans chapter 10, and you start reading that 9 and 10, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in our heart. We ask all the time. Can we believe the Lord's heart? Let me ask you a question. If I were to knock on your door, you say, Who's there? And I say, Joshua Morrison. You're like, Well, Joshua can come in by Morrison. You've got authority. You also have victory 
You know how? I'm not getting into Pentecostalism or into sensationalism or into uh, anything else of that nature, but you have victory. You know how we know that? Because Jesus already won the victory. Already did. He had victory. We can spend the next 40 days talking about being a king. About being a king. Today I want to focus in on the truth. And oh, there's a lot to talk about when it comes to being a priest. Now, you know the Baptist doctrine, and I love this doctrine, priesthood of the believer. Meaning you can talk to God without the priest. Amen? How would you feel if you had to go to some holy man and say, I need to talk to God, and you need to talk to God for me, and this is what I want you to say? And he's like, well, I can't say that to God. And you get to talk to God without me. Isn't that a blessing? Priesthood of the believer. You can talk to God without pastor. You can talk to God without the music minister. You can talk to God without teaching. You can talk to God because He has made you a priest. That's beautiful. But also, Paul's life. Now, that's not even revelation, but it's a side note. Well, also, Paul's life. So let me tell you a little bit about Paul. My wife adores Paul. Everybody look at that. Loved it. Salt, 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 salt. I figured when we were in our 60s, the doctors would put us both on a no-salt diet and get you to die. Think it's coming. Jesus said that salt is good. Didn't he? He said salt is good, but salt is also good. Where we're going to be salted again. And here's the point. As God's people, we're salt in the earth. And you know what? Salt is a beautiful and I bring up best to you the salt because you use salt for flavor. Flavor. What? Flavor. So as Christians, wherever we go, we put a little flavor in the world. You know what? You might be saying there's not enough Christians to change the world. We don't need to change the world, though. It's just a flavor. You know, what I'm trying to say this morning is you can tell the difference when somebody puts some salt in the food and then they just You can tell the difference when there's a Christian around in the area, in the neighborhood, and when there's not, because we are, by our new nature, salty. And let me tell you, if somebody's not salty, they get offended. Well, I guess anybody knows me about the We're also light, as I said before. We're also light. That means, wherever we go, the light that has been put in us starts to close the things that are hidden in the darkness. And that makes people in the darkness pretty darn uncomfortable. That makes them angry. Usually it's like, turn that flashlight off. The point is this. We are priests. I really wanted to go into that and do it background for you this morning. I think, though, we need to focus in on God's people. God's people, we are Holy to him, and the offerings of the Lord make on fire. 
literally eat holy food in a particularly good sense. When we eat that holy food, it gives us holy energy. We're supposed to be feasting on a holy diet. We're supposed to be eating holy things. As Christians, we're supposed to be watching what we eat. And I'm not talking about whether or not you have one human food. I'm talking about what we see our choice. That energy lives holy. If you eat holy food, you end up with holy energy. Holy energy now is the energy to do holiness, to love, to repent, to do right, to be victorious, and his word is supposed to be daily bread for us. Somebody say amen. We're supposed to be eating on that every day, every evening, feasting on his word. The problem is if we don't look at his word as daily bread, we look at it as occasional food. In fact, the Bible gives us pictures of victory in Jesus, of being a priest in God, of being what God wants his people to be. Look with me in Luke chapter 4, verse 4. Jesus is going through the temptations with the devil here. And the Bible tells us he's been fasting for 40 days. And after 40 days, if you'll read the scriptures, it says afterwards he was hungry. I don't know about you, but four hours is enough to test my faith. Amen? But Jesus answered him and said, It's written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. We're supposed to be eating and feasting and living on God's Word, not feasting and eating on what the world is doing. I want to give you a few stories for that minute. How many of you, don't show me your hands, but answer in your heart. How many of you are fathers and mothers or grandparents or aunts and uncles this morning? I think that describes everybody in this room. I think that describes everybody online that's watching this. You had some young ones in your life. Have you ever taken them to Walmart or the ATP and just happened to walk down the candy aisle? And when you do, that kid's eyes get as big as a dinner plate, don't they? And they think, I can have this and have that and eat this and eat that, and I'll be just fine. In fact, I don't want any other food anymore. I want Snickers balls and Reese's Cups. Somebody said amen. <laughs> I remember bringing my boys for the first time when they got old enough to be out of my arms and to walk down holding daddy's hand. And I remember we had that rule that don't talk. But inevitably, the kid would reach out and grab me and hold it up and dad's going to have this. And I would put it away and say, dad's broke. We need to eat Now, I remember leaving the store, though. And I big. Come on now. Not our home. And this world has been trying to get you out of the Word of God. I know you think of the Word of God as Brussels sprouts, as broccoli florets, as cauliflower, as carrot slices, as radishes. I know you think it's not good, but it's going to sustain you 
feed you and maintain you from now to the return of Jesus Christ. Problem is, though, the world just like a sword up to that little kid. She said, hey, eat my candy, eat my bubble gum. You can drink my soda and nothing bad will happen to you. Let me ask you a question. If you were to have a diet of nothing but candy and nothing but junk food, what do you think would happen to you? Somebody said you die. Well, I don't know about die, but you, you might die with a smile on your face, right? But you would die without any teeth in your head, wouldn't you? You would die with all kinds of malnutrition. Your hair would start falling out. Your fingernails would start falling apart. become real soft because you wouldn't be getting protein or calcium. You wouldn't be getting vitamin D or anything else you need. You'd be getting nothing but carbohydrates. You know what that means? That means your body would be storing a lot of food. How do I know that? Remember now, you're supposed to be feasting on holy food. Oh, it is. This world is not at home. It's trying to offer us candy and soda. It's trying to offer us junk food that we don't need. Food that should not be in a Christian diet. Food of violence. Food of adultery. Food of marital immorality. Food of pornography. Of drugs. Food of alcoholism. Food of abuse. Food of lies. Food of cut of of coveting food of very false witness. Come on now. You know what I'm talking about. It starts offering it to us and it says it's sweet, it's good, and it's sin. Delight. Man, 
good question. Christian, does the thought of Bible study put some trumps on you? Does the thought of Bible study make you say, oh man? Does it make you say, Let me see the Apostle Paul. 
whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on Can you do that? In this particular Then, that Holy Spirit becomes You are called to be a royal
them. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, it's been my tradition for the last 30 years service the Lord's house to include everyone from the service and singing of the hymn. The hymn I've chosen throughout the years has been since the month. I'm going to ask Brother Robert, Brother Mark, if you both come up and lead us in that song. Let it be our closing prayer. Let it be our closing hymn. God bless you all. You're dismissed. I hope to see you all this evening for Asian worship. Shalom.